Welcome back to Respect the Drive, the podcast. Oh, today's a good guest. I've got Chris Amos. He's like a brother to me. This is a guy who has brought me into the Winding Road magazine world. He, he He's a, a fellow YouTuber, and we met on YouTube. It's like, what a... What a web 2.0 kind of kind of friendship. But how are you doing? I know the virus is on the rise again, and hopefully we're not in for another shutdown in the fall. I guess if it happens in the winter, that's not so bad, right? Well, I'll just be home anyway. Uh, but, you know, if you're out at the car shows, I went to one the other day up at a brewery, Lord Hobo. And they were very strict about the masks, and they were strict about, you know, keeping people distance and all that stuff. It was it was a small gathering. It wasn't anything crazy, although I did see something very strange there. There weren't crazy, crazy cars. However, there was a Pontiac Trans Am in right-hand drive. If you follow my Instagram story, you saw this car. I still don't really understand what I'm looking at. I don't know if it was changed in the U.S., there was a lot of dangling wires under that dashboard, so there's a good shot, good chance that that guy just decided, hey, I want a right-hand drive Trans Am. Or, for whatever reason, somebody spent the money to bring it in, and I don't know if you really need to federalize it. Is that a thing, if it's kind of already an American car? I don't know. But no matter how many cars you see, there will always be something that will surprise you with a small nuance or just a a shock factor in a normal car. Like, what is that? Big news for me, the website is live. RespectTheDrive.com now exists. I've had that domain for almost a year now. I just haven't done anything with it. And a friend of mine, this guy Mike, from uh, from Massachusetts, he goes to school out in Kansas. He did, he he reached out to me recently, and he said, "Hey, you know what? I love what you're doing." Which, by the way, already makes me uncomfortable. Compliments are, oof, I appreciate them, but yikes. Um, and I was like, "Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. What do you want to do?" And he's like, "Hey, uh, I, you know, if there's anything that I can help you with to make your job easier, to help you know promote stuff, let me know." And I said. Well, you know, actually, and this is one of those rare times where I go and reach out and ask for help. I asked him, I said, could you help me uh, get this merch off the ground? And and I have this website that I've been thinking about for a while. Would you be able to do that? He goes, absolutely. I said, I can't believe there's a person out there who's willing to do this. So Mike went and took it upon himself, made this beautiful website with Squarespace, not sponsored, maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll get that sweet, sweet podcast coupon code. But uh, no, I mean, it's great because now this is a place where I can set up my online store. We can do the stickers in a less like creepily personal way. All the people who have bought stickers from me, I really appreciate. You're literally DMing me on Instagram and I'm writing out embarrassingly with my handwriting an envelope to send to you. And it means the world to me that you're doing that. In addition to that, I appreciate those of you who have gone on to the Patreon, the Tedward Drives Patreon, and uh, submitted, donated uh, a, a small amount of money every month to help keep this alive. Um, I'm always looking to improve the quality of the videos. I'm not out buying booze and toys. I'm just trying to keep memory cards in the cameras, subscription services to the podcast server and the website and all that stuff alive. You know, it, it costs money to just make the thing. And it means the world to me that that can be essentially subsidized. So thank you to all of them. And thank you to Mike. Go check out respectthedrive.com. But again, today we've got Chris Amos. He's got a C8 in the garage right now. Let's go catch up with him. Find out how we got to start. Let's get to it. The garage is full of um, Corvette C8 2LT pack. 
Well, yeah. I have been very neglectful of of C8 reviews, partially because I, all right, I do I do care. I won't say I don't care. But outside of the initial reactions from like Jason Camisa and 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 Matt Farah, I kind of just didn't didn't give too much of attention because I knew that it was just going to be a lot of repetitive stuff, and I was going to wait until sure. I had my own opinion on it. Um, however, you are one of the few people that I really value opinions on when it comes to how cars drive and their dynamics because you actually tell it like it is, similar to me, and you feel things that I don't hear from other people have you spent much time in it yet <laughs> i drove it to my grandma's 14 miles and uh, back and i don't think i went wide open throttle once so i'm probably not at the right point in this week's review to tell you exactly how i feel about it but so far on like initial impressions it's it feels special. It feels cool. That's important. I think the special feeling. Now, your yeah. grandmother, does she happen to live in like a 55 and over community? <laughs> she lives where I used to live, which is all old person condos. So what was the, did, did, did a lot of old men stand up for the first time in years to come and witness the C8 fury happening outside oh their gosh. doors? Or were they just asleep and didn't notice it? Some backs cracked, some wheelchairs were, some rust was <laughs> knocked off the wheels. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. I would, you know, when I, if, if I am so fortunate to end up with a C8 press tester, which I assume if I get one, it will be the most raggedy, destroyed machine to walk the earth at that point because i am always at the i'm 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 new to the press pool so i'm at the low end i'm on i'm the low man on the totem pole so when i get cars they're they're usually around eight to twelve thousand miles i can't imagine what a c8 corvette is going to be like after twelve thousand miles with a press crew abusing it for every single one who knows who knows i mean honestly the biggest thing that worries me is the v4 mode i mean, haven't hasn't everyone had trouble with cylinder deactivation i have never been a big fan of like i i appreciate what cylinder deactivation is i've always felt like it's too complex to actually implement into cars to the, to, to the same point i don't even like auto start stop because i feel like who in their right mind wants to own the rod bearings that belongs to a car that is starting and stopping itself this much every day yeah, I mean, they do boost up the batteries a little bit to handle that. That's but true, still. but I mean, geez, you're losing a little yeah. oil in there. You're just like, oh, yeah, let's just like drain it a little bit and go for it. Yeah. What in the new world of vehicles, whether we're talking about a Subaru Legacy, which I have lots of opinions on, or, you know, Honda Accords, Fits, all that kind of stuff. What do you like? What What are the trends that you're seeing that are positive? Because all we do is talk about save the manuals and how they've ruined everything and blah, blah, blah. But that's not all true. Yeah, I've had some surprises recently. Um and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. So this last week, we just gave back a Nissan 370Z Nismo. And I haven't driven one since I kind of started my video filming career. And I was really surprised at how enjoyable it was to drive. It was visceral. It was raw. I mean, as you'd expect, it was old school because it's basically... It's a 12-year-old car. <laughs> yeah, it's a 12-year-old vehicle. <laughs> Um, so I actually really enjoyed that car just for the fact that it's a pure 
sports car. It doesn't make any excuses uh, for what it is. It's just, it's fun. It wears on you after a couple hours of driving it, but otherwise it's pretty darn good. I recall the same and feelings of that car. On the I, other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Because you had a 350Z, right? I did. And I remember when I drove the 370 having a 350. I didn't like the 370, but now having not... I mean, that car, honestly, it's as close as you're going to get to, like, the way an S2000 felt new. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and it's kind of got this Japanese muscle car thing going for right. it. You know you're not it's setting any gruff. records. You know it's not no. going to do anything um, outlandishly fast or well, but it's a fun drive. It's a good car. Mm-hmm. It, you feel it, like, moving around your hips, too. It's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it rotates. Other end of the spectrum. And other end of the spectrum... Hyundai Ionic plug-in hybrid. Interesting. It was so good. I mean, it's it's a hybrid with a dual clutch transmission. So, so you can absolutely rag on this thing. And, you know, it's it's not like a sports car dual clutch, but you don't feel like you're destroying a, a CVT if you're, you know, passing people on the highway or you're driving aggressively. And no matter how we drove it all week, and we drove it pretty hard. We were getting above 50 miles to the gallon. That's you and Charlie. Yeah. Yep. So for those listening, Charlie Dreyer, uh, he is our, I always want to say Dwyer, and I know that's funny. I don't know why. Dreyer. Charlie Dreyer. He's- uh, You've the, got your washing machine and your dryer. The washing machine and the dryer. Charlie Dreyer is our, uh, kind of our, our third driver on the Winding Road Magazine channel. He's been, he's, he's, he's great. He's like, man, he's been in the car industry for quite some time. He knows his ins and outs, so- uh, although yeah, he, he came be, from Car and Driver. Yeah, although he may be new to the channel and new to his own uh, channel, the Daily Motor, um, he's certainly no stranger to what we're doing. Um, and you'll notice him driving when it's uh, barefoot or flip-flops. And then you'll notice Chris, I can tell who's posted what based on the comments alone. I can go and read comments. I don't have to look at who drove the car. I don't. I, I don't. I can tell that when... Charlie drives is always the the feet comments. When you drive, there's always angry people who are so mad that you would have the audacity to squeal the tires on a Pacifica or like <laughs> ordinary cars. Tell so what I want to go deeper into like where you started, but like what's the thought process behind that? Because I do the same thing. If you give me an ordinary car, like I want to go feel it out. I want to see how it dances. I want to see if it's playful. And I'm fully aware this isn't how the users are going to use the car, but this is how you, for us, we're going to do it. Like what's the thought process behind thrashing a Pacifica? Well, Winding Road, the brand, has always been for drivers. And I've always adopted that philosophy for the Winding Road YouTube channel and just as a personal philosophy too. I mean, if you are a driving enthusiast and you're interested in a car, you're going to want to know how it hustles around a corner, how it accelerates, even if most buyers could care less. I think it's interesting to see normal cars driven in a spirited and enjoyable manner. And uh, you can find tons of car reviews out there where people are just putzing around at 40 miles an hour and talking about the car. But, you know, we do a little bit of casual driving too in our videos, but mostly we just want to kind of see what the car's like close to the limit and driven spiritedly. Yeah, no matter what the car. 
Exactly, even a Chrysler Pacifica, which is actually quite good on a back road. You'd be surprised. What's, you have a different philosophy on comments. You've been on YouTube for quite a long time now. So you started on Winding Road first, correct? Or did you have the Topher before Winding Road? I mean, the Topher's OG. There's like my bearded dragon head bobbing rap video on the Topher. Um, that is the most <laughs> like you thing. I was playing, I think some like 50 Cent or something or Fitty. Listen, listen to Fitty. Chris and my bearded dragon was hard. like, he was bobbing his head to the beat of the music. And uh, yeah, it got like 50,000 views in a month. Wow. <laughs> Way back in the day. And, and it's, it's, it still stands to be true. We can go and thrash on a Lamborghini and we'll still get more views on a dog or a cat or a lizard. 100%. Yeah, we're definitely, we've got a pretty small uh, small reach. It's frustrating, but all right. Well, all right. So you start there, you get the winding road. What What's your take on comments? You have a different approach to comments than I do. Yeah, I mean, I mostly ignore comments except for when I... I figure I will respond to a lot of comments in the first few hours or day that I post a video. And I'm a lot more active in the comments too on personal vehicles that I upload and film and drive. And, um, you know, if I post something on the BRZ or the 850R or the Lexus and people are commenting on those videos, chances are too, like they're owners or they want to own a vehicle like that. Or they're, you know, they're excited about those videos and I'll, I'll respond. I'll be a lot more willing to respond. Um, but also, I don't know, anything you post on the internet gets a lot of diverse opinions thrown at it. That is a and professional way. <laughs> yeah, you just, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I, I honestly don't really read Winding Road comments as much anymore because for the, for a long time, this has been the case. It's been kind of a... Uh, a self-correcting ecosystem where someone will make a comment that's just flat out wrong or weird or totally off. And, um, a bunch of people will chime in and, you know, say this or this, say that, or someone will want to know something. They'll ask a question that's totally legit and people will answer in the comments. And so it just kind of takes care of itself. And I don't have to stress out about it. Yeah. I feel much more compelled. I don't necessarily respond to hate. I respond to, so if somebody's outright nasty, like, sorry, dude, I'm moderating this conversation. Like you're out. I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need negativity. Now, if you're correcting me, if I said this car has 475 horsepower and it has 575 horsepower, by all means, come at me. Let's talk. I will. I had a really good correction the other day. I learned this and maybe I knew it. Maybe I didn't. I obviously, actually, I obviously didn't know it, but the head up display is called head up display because it's just your one head that's looking at it. Unless if you're you have two heads versus but a heads I, up display. I've been saying heads up display my entire life and only one head can see that heads up, head I, up display at a time. I would honestly, that's semantics. I won't accept that. I won't accept that. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Michigan. We had S we had S to the end of everything here, so it's okay. I, I feel compelled to comment when somebody, um, corrects me or not corrects me um when somebody is uh bitter about something that a wasn't the intent of the video and clearly if the video was watched and consumed and listened to would understand that there was a moot point why did they even comment this or b uh i'm driving a lot of oddball cars so one for example that ferrari the 250 gt coupe by pininfarina 
lots <laughs> of angry comments saying Pininfarina is one word. However, the Pininfarina was a man. Pininfarina. That's his name. Pininfarina. So the car was designed by Pininfarina. And pre-1961, the company, their last name was Farina. When he gave the company over to his son, his son then changed their last name to Pininfarina, one word. And that's that. Now everything, whether it was designed by Pinin himself or not, it was designed by Pininfarina, one word. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm going into this too far. I checked so many because I thought it was odd, too. I went into all of the Hemmings listings, Sotheby's. I went to so many auctions to make sure that this was correct. And like those people know what they're doing. Like concourse people, auction houses that deal with like, you know, million dollar cars. They, they're sure. not dumb. So I copy that. They're walking encyclopedias. Yeah. So I got, I, when I get flack yeah. for stuff like that, I do feel compelled to politely um, respond. And when I'm not polite, yeah. I regret it and I delete it usually. Like if I say something mean or if I like just, even if they deserve it, I'm like, nah, that's not who I need to be. I don't need to be that guy. It's true. Well, it's where'd, true. where'd yeah. you start? You're not just, you don't just become YouTuber the Topher and, uh, you know, kind of like the, the leading edge of winding road over the past, what, nine years now. Yeah. We started uploading in 2012. Yeah. We're getting 2012. There. I graduated college. I went on like an internship. Where'd with you a go to college? Friend. I went to Albion College in Albion, Michigan. Small liberal arts college, a couple thousand students. Young yeah, Christopher. Good driving roads. Getting his, getting his education, playing with, I yeah. assume, a Miata and or Volvo. I had a Volvo 850, and halfway through college, I bought my Mark VI 2010 GTI. Classic. What did you yeah. study in college? Filmmaking, cars, POV creation? No, I was a geology major. Of course you were. Of course you were a <laughs> geology major. Now, I'm 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 teasing you a little bit because I know all this and it's slightly for the interview, but for those listening, I've done quite a few road trips with you and my favorite part of road tripping with you is when you point out rocks on the side of the road and tell me about oh the, the natural formation and where we are in the country and why this is interesting. And in, Highway outcrops are the best. In every <laughs> other context, I would maybe be bored, but I hang on to your every word in a road trip, in a car, for eight hours in a car, staring out the window like, whoa, how did those rocks get here? <laughs> I like that. I like that. So what, what, where did the geology thing go? I mean, you, what is a geology? What, what was your intent? I mean, you were a photographer in high school too, right? Yeah, I ha I've had a photography business since I was 16, since I was a sophomore in high school. And I actually did pretty well with it in high school, but I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get a degree in something. And that was just kind of my goal. You have that college experience meet some people, make some friends, uh, find a mentor at some point, whether it be in photography or in some field that I was interested in studying. And the reason I chose geology was uh, because I had, a, I had a girlfriend freshman year who was a geology major. Classic. And I took a couple more classes after that. And it was interesting. I, I enjoyed it. Chris, such a good I, boy. I found myself taking more pictures on trips than of the girl notes. No, of <laughs> of like the landscape okay. and the <laughs> the you know 
the geological formations than uh, really taking notes. I, I was never really like that studious of a person, but you know, I got by, I made it through, but halfway through college, I, I met a mentor who was kind of the first person to show me that, oh, you can be a successful person and a creative, a photographer and live a good life, like do well for yourself, kind of use your interests and passions and monetize those. And so it kind of opened up a whole new world for me. And I still had two years of college to go. So I, I, I finished everything, but I also could have easily dropped out and just, you know, gone with, you know, full steam ahead with the YouTube channel and my photography business. But I decided I just, I was pretty much almost done and would rather finish things out. But, um, I came up with the idea and the concept for the POV filming and all of that, the binaural audio, the POV stuff in college. And, uh, that was all born out of a frustration from watching YouTube videos, bored in my dorm, procrastinating, doing homework and studying, and uh, just kind of frustrated with the landscape of automotive videos and not being able to hear cars. I wanted to hear what cars sounded like. And every, every video was just a camera pointed at some guy's face with a lapel mic. I couldn't hear any engine sound. And the engine sounds that you could hear were recorded with two microphones at the exhaust and the intake and the engine. And those aren't the sounds you hear no, when you're in the cabin. No, it's so it didn't make any sense. So. And, and I find for a stylized video or a commercial, sure, go for it. Like get get those sounds. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is not representative of the driving experience. Yeah. So my goal was just to create a realistic driving experience, and I I went out probably you know two dozen times in my GTI experimenting with different equipment, angles, head strap mounts. And this was like GoPro Hero 2 days or maybe Hero 1 days. It was way, way back there. And uh, I think it was Hero 2 because my Hero 2 I still have and it's really sticky and has that nice film on it. Yeah. You can't get off. See, yeah, yeah, now we know what these were really used for. (laughs) And then I went to Best Buy and I got the Zoom H2N mic and that completely solved the problem. And that's what we still use today. Yeah. No, I mean, you, when I met, so... How did how did you find me? Sometimes I'm fuzzy on this because we I've I've known you for a while now and it feels like forever, but it really isn't that long. Um, but you were one of the first people to kind of like f- just shoot me a note, and probably from yeah. YouTube. I found your channel, I think, organically. And then I realized that you and Docta, or maybe I found your channel through Docta M3's stuff, because I'd always followed Docta even way back, like the OG days. When yeah, he, had he was his one of the first M5 guys. and R32. Yeah, so um, it's funny. He had he made a comment on my The Tover channel before it was even The Tover, when it was Mr. Tover 2. And uh, it was like back when you could comment on people's channels themselves. And he was like, great videos, you know, keep up the good work. And then five years later we met or we started (laughs) chatting some more. And, um, then I, that's how I got connected with you. So it's such a small world. And I, I sometimes take for granted that no matter what the YouTube success is, I have 
created this like social world for myself and not just a social media world, but a very real social world of people that I know and trust and talk to every single day solely because I decided and you decided and they decided to take up, to pick up a camera, make a thing and hit the publish button. Like that's very weird to me. Yeah. That being said, you are an age appropriate influence on me that I think I didn't have in my life. Everyone, everyone around me is either like much older and, or not much older, but old enough that it feels like I'm not there yet. So it, it's like, oh, they've, they've, they're, they're established. They've got this, they've got that. Of course they are. They're in their forties now. It feels weird because I'm 32. It's not that far away, but it feels that far away. Or my friends are in their like early to mid twenties and I'm just like, well, of course they're going to go blow all their money on this other car and do this and do that. Whereas you are like one of the first people who is an age appropriate influence on me and friend who isn't boring. That's not, I don't want to be mean to other people who are my age, but you're not boring while yes, you do own a home and you're married. You are, uh, you're the type who is all about like, dude, live your life. Don't let anyone live your life for you. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like be you don't conform. You will find your way. And I have always wanted to believe that. And until I met you and I've been stubbornly pushed by you, um, and that's my, on my part, not your part. You've just been persistent. Uh, I finally kind of started to move my feet on it. Like, what is it about you and your upbringing that gives you the huevos to believe you can make it on your own? And like, because everyone that I'm friends with who I went to college with, most of them, some of them maybe dabble in real estate or day trading here and there, but they all just have a very like linear career path and they are bored. Or they do some outrageous extreme sport on the weekend to like negate the boringness of their life. You like, (laughs) I don't look at you and be like, like those are the people that you're like, oh, he's really into rock climbing now, I guess, because he's sick of wearing a suit and tie every day to the money factory. Whereas like you, you're like, yeah, dude, like I woke up when I had to wake up. I did the thing I needed to do. I'm going to have some granola and throw the ball to my dog. I'm going to publish a video. I'm going to smile about it. And then I'm going to go have dinner with my wife. And maybe throw an extreme sport in there somewhere. Sure. You've got the unicycle thing. We yeah. can get into that. But like what, what, are, yeah. what your upbringing clearly doesn't it, it, like what, how are you brought up? Who are your parents? Why? Like, it's funny. Cause I, I'm going to phrase this in a really like, a, like aggressive way. Like, how do you get, where do you get the nerve to think that you can just live your life the way you want to live your life? <laughs> Well, all right. So a little bit of background on my upbringing and my family. My family is full of musicians and it's hard to make it as a musician. And most of my family members have done pretty well with that considering. My dad's a professor. My sister was a professional opera singer in Berlin for a number of years. My mom's a piano teacher. Um, My brother's like a guitarist, jazz blues guitarist down in South Carolina. Um, but my parents were never very excited about the prospect of me becoming a musician. So they never really pushed me to do that because they know how difficult it is to make it in that career, in that path. And, um, 
I, you know, dabbled in music a little bit when I was a kid with my parents being my teachers and that didn't last very long. So that was fine. So they always encouraged me to just kind of find things I enjoyed doing. And growing up, I was a competitive figure skater. I was a hockey player. And then I, after I stopped skating, I discovered photography and it was just something that I just obsessed over in high school. All I did was think, breathe, live photography. And this was right when digital came out. It was right when forums came out where you could share your images and people could critique them. And I probably am not that much better of a photographer now than I was like two years into taking photos because I learned so much and grew so much uh, as a photographer then. And it just became this thing I, I just consumed, it consumed my, my thoughts and my life. And I built a decent business with it in high school. But the key was I had never met a really successful photographer or anyone who was, all the photographers I knew either did it part-time and they had a full-time job. They were a teacher. They, they were, you know, they had a professional life or they were miserable, divorced, and worked at a camera store. Oh, that's a classic. So, that's a classic. Oh, it was super classic. Yeah, and they'd been in like every camera store that they that closed. They moved to the next one that was open. And in my time as a photographer, I saw the rise of online sales, and you know, of course, all the camera stores closed locally. Portrait, so. portrait photographers in local mom and pop shops have to be, if you don't own it, have to. Be, that has to be a suicide rate close to dentists. <laughs> like those guys. I don't know. I just knew I didn't want to be some small town photographer. I wanted to do something a little bit bigger, a little bit different. And uh, for me, photography was this key to get into experiences and things that I would never have been able to otherwise. Uh, I could photograph all these beautiful girls in high school. I went to an all boys school. Being able to work with models was great. I could photograph all these awesome cars and, you know, maybe drive some of them and get behind the wheel and, you know, do the whole magazine journalist thing. And that was great. But the key was meeting someone who was doing what I wanted to do, who was the same age that I was pretty much, and seeing what they had done with their business and how they treated it like a business and how um, they had kind of built a career and used their kind of along built that career with their passions um as part of it isn't that crazy how seeing is believing it's like yeah and there's There's nothing like an example a real life example of a person you know who's doing the thing that you want to do and now here you are doing the thing so and it's mostly because of you because you showed me that i could do the thing yeah and I mean, I was, and the thing is, I was absolutely just a half a toe in the pool. I talked about this as a guest spot on uh, the Money Shift podcast, but I mean, I was like ready to uproot my life in March, move to Michigan, um, and I still, I still may, I still may, but the point of that trip was because I wasn't getting, at the time, um, my only income was through, you know, my winding road videos and my Tedward videos. And that wasn't, that's not enough to pay the bills. So the idea was I was going to get a job, a corporate job that was like less, less pressure than my current job, come out, work with you, make a podcast, make, um, some commercial video stuff, jump into the press fleet that you had already established out there. 
and that was going to be my jumping off point. Um, instead, I got thrown to the wolves because COVID-19 killed everything. <laughs> it killed all my job prospects. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to starve and blow through my savings. But then what ended up happening was I, 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 you, you were like, take a breath. How can you utilize your skills and make money from those things? Like, I had never created an invoice that wasn't some corporate thing until I met you. Like, I've never, I've never sent a person a piece of paper that said, you owe me this much money for these services. <laughs> I've never done that. I've never done that. And, and like, I've done it when it's like, oh, you know, we bought something for the, for work. But it's like some corporate template and you send it to some lady and you have no idea if you filled it out right. Um, you know, it's interesting that there are so many like minor little business skills that I've picked up from you that I'm just like, oh shit, yeah, I do need to do that. And I don't even know that you thought what you were teaching me was significant, but it was. It was like little things that I'm like, oh my God, I need it. And here I am. Now I'm working on all these weird little side gigs. It's steady enough. I'm making enough money from it. And at the same time, I've been able to dedicate more time to my own channel to build it because you've inspired me through the Topher. Like the Topher was, when I met you, I think the Topher was around 30 or 40,000 subscribers. No, it was like five. No, it was it was bigger. You were, de- no, you had to have been bigger than that. I thought you were at like, 1400 and i was at like a couple thousand a few thousand maybe and it was like that we did apx and after that we remember like we're like oh man remember apx we were at like 5000 subscribers yeah and you passed the 5000 shortly afterwards and well, um, you, and then you just started but, cranking out content like i was blown away because i just a, I didn't even know what my videos were. I didn't have a path. I wasn't. Re- I didn't want to review cars because I'm like, well, everyone's reviewing cars. Like, why are my reviews any different? And I didn't want to do vlogs because no one cares about your vlog. I, I wish. I hope everyone understands that. If you're thinking about creating a YouTube channel, if you, if you don't already add value to people, no one's gonna really care who you are, right? Like, you've got to add value to somebody, whether you're teaching them something through tutorials or whatever. Like, think about everyone you've ever watched that you will watch a vlog from. Why do you know who they are? It's because they taught you how to do something. And then you're like, I want to know what that guy does or what that girl does in her daily life now. Because now I care because you taught me something. So I give a shit. Peter McKinnon. Dude. Casey Neistat. Telling you. Those are the only vloggers I watch, but that's okay. No, it's true. But they all did tech reviews. They all do like camera sure. reviews and, and they teach you something. And then because they're cool in the way they teach you, you're like, I'd watch you make a cup of coffee. If we back up a little bit, that's the second key to the puzzle is... I, this is when a master I class? graduated. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but like that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's like the second most important thing is, um, n- I didn't really give myself a choice to do anything else, and kind of like how you quit your job and you didn't really have a choice but to make freelance work. Um, that's when you just kind of devoted all of your attention to it and all of your effort to it, and it's a slow build sometimes, but you've actually come up a little bit quicker than I thought you would, which is great. But you were putting out great content from like the beginning. I was trying. I, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've all, I had always loved watching your vlogs uh, just because I don't know. Well, I mean, a, a lot of your like friends and group have like, you know, they've found significant others and they've kind of moved around a little bit, but like watching you guys do your thing every weekend, hang out, drive cars, you know, go on your adventures, the Miata across the country. Like I, when we met, when you picked me up from the airport in Boston for the first APX event, it felt like we had already been friends for years. And we just like 
you know, picked up from there. I always describe and, you uh, as my long lost brother. I'll like never I know, forget. Right? I, I picked you up at that airport and it wasn't this weird thing where it was like, oh, I'm going to meet this guy. I hope he's who he thinks. It was like the second I saw you, I'm like, that's my brother. That's the guy. Yeah. Get in the car. Let's go. And it was so <laughs> comfortable immediately. Let's go do car things. But that's, you know, part of that too is just, we just click as a dynamic, but at the same time, you know, watching your videos, I felt like I was part of the friend group, you know? Yeah. I was hanging out with you guys. That's always the goal. The Mm -hmm. goal is always to make the viewer feel like they're in the car with us or with me alone um, or just yelling at me because they're mad at me. But I want you to feel comfortable to be like, no, that's stupid. That's, you know, I want you to feel like you can be argumentative with me like a friend, like a, like a family member. And that's, that's always been the aim of the videos. And I just always appreciated that you, you, you made things look easy and that made me realize that I had work to do. (laughs) And that made, you know, the hardest cars are the Subaru legacies of the world. Ooh, baby. I'll tell you. And, uh, I'm just in, I'm reveling in watching you realize that a $26,000 car can have radar guided cruise control. I think it's, I, I, every time I talk about technology in a new car, I know Chris is giggling somewhere going, that's adorable that you're realizing that every car has this. Uh, but I mean, the thing friggin' drives itself, this legacy. I mean, it is the world's most boring vehicle. Um, I mean, it has to, otherwise you would crash into a tree and die. I have never been in a car that I was more susceptible to falling asleep behind the wheel. Even if I was just, just like had a cup of coffee, woke up, let's rock her. It's like I, the second I sit down in that car, it's like you've just injected me with morphine. <laughs> and, and and only the Welcome drowsy- to most modern cars. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone always wants to know, how do we get our cars? Like, when did you jump in? When did you get into the press fleet? When did you start receiving a car a week or every other week or whatever um, from the manufacturers? So, little known fact, I'm actually a billionaire, and I buy every car, and when it gets dirty, runs out of gas, or I'm tired of it, I just leave it on the side of the road with the title and keys, and then I go buy the next car. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. That's that's it. That, what an, like, to be that eccentric would be a real impressive thing, because that would mean that, like, on, on most weeks your interest is like a Nissan Altima. And then very rarely you treat yourself to like a Viper. Let's go through the whole Nissan lineup this summer. We have, except for the Murano. Wow. And the GTR. We're getting there. 30 year old guy goals. Let's drive every Nissan. Actually, I think Nissan's on the upswing. I think, I think we'll see some cool stuff from them. I think they're about to come up with, I hope it's just not too little too late. What about, Oh, where was I going to go? So pre- with- press fleets. Um, it's an interesting world. You have to be a little bit of part of the old guard. We so always had access. Yeah, because, I mean, Winding Road was the first online car magazine. They were, they had this free PDF that you could download. And it was on the screen and it was nice. And back in the day, they were killing it. Like they, they paid for an $11,000 photo shoot of a Lamborghini Gallardo. How crazy is that? Were you the like, photographer? No, that's before I joined. My Man, that would have been like awesome. Bucks. What, a, <laughs> what a fucking paycheck that would have been. They were balling, they were balling out of control. They were doing really well. Um, so they had, they had all this access and they had all this access from the moment I joined as a photographer. So I, with the story with winding road goes, 
I uh, met them through chance. Uh, we have a art studio here in Michigan and we moved to another building down the road. They moved in and into our old building and my mom went over there to check out, be like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Who are you guys? And they're like, we're a car magazine. And she's like, my son loves cars and he's a photographer. And they're like, oh, we need a photographer. And so my mom actually got me this gig. Classic <laughs> mom. So thank you. I know. Thanks. Thanks, Mama Chris. <laughs> yeah. I indirectly so, benefited from your friendly neighborly curiosity. Yeah. Two weeks later, I was shooting the Jag XKRS, which was great. Fun car. So I shot as a photographer for Winding Road for a few years in college, after college. And then kind of towards the end of college, I pitched them this POV idea. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's keep it a more traditional format where we just focus on the sound of the car and the driving experience and throw some B-roll in there. And we uploaded three or four videos, a Mustang convertible, a GT350, like the old GT350. Oh, yeah. Um, Like a real Shelby. Yeah. And one other one, I I think it was a 370Z or something like that. And uh, they did quite well. And I was like, well, maybe we got something here. So we'll just kind of rinse and repeat this formula like 2,000 times. And here we are today. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because today, like I've had, I, like, you know, um, with Aston Martin New England, like one of the things that we wanted to be able to do was not only for their direct clients to help them with troubleshooting certain things they're doing, but we also want to like, you know, have a YouTube presence and... Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, we started this in like 2019 and I'm like, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like we're going to put, we could put out a, like literally a hundred videos and it may not hit. Like we might put a lot of time into like, you know, teaching how to use Bluetooth and your Aston Martin DB9 or all these things. Like these are all things that are going to directly help your customers because, you know, maybe your service guy doesn't need to stay on the phone for 20 minutes while you figure out how to pair your phone. It can just send you a link instead. The sales guy can do that. Um, but you know, it's not, these are not the days. I don't know, unless you have something really, really unique, cutting edge and outrageous, it's just putting up a few videos isn't necessarily going to be like, oh yeah, cool. We did it. Like maybe we should pursue this. You have to put the time in. You have to put in so much time. YouTube is a very unforgiving world. And my God, when they open the taps to the viewers, it is the best feeling in the world and they can close it just as fast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean of course this kind of almost goes without saying but you have to you have to do something that's sustainable 100 percent. and from the get-go i wanted winding road the format to be sustainable because i never intended for this to be a full-time gig it still isn't a full-time gig for me i wouldn't really want it to be a full-time gig it's a lot of but, work and it because it, it, people forget we edit these we have to sit down we yeah we go out and do the 40 minute drive and then we get to edit it down to like 10 to 20 and, yeah and also youtube is just one website too Correct. It could all go down tomorrow. And I one reason, too, why I'm self-employed is because I like job security. And I like having 10 jobs instead of just one. And, um, you know, that's that's part of it, too. But at the same time, it's just you, you got to keep it sustainable. You have to keep it so that you don't burn out. And driving all these cars is a little bit of a personal journey for us, too, because we want to find the perfect car, right? 100%. Yeah. And so that's part of it. It's weird. So you're a ha- you're usually like on the upswing. Like you're usually like an optimist. Um, or I wouldn't say optimist. You're like an optimist meets a realist. You always have a pretty like level-headed outlook on things. 
I am a little bit of your foil where I'm a realist, but I tend to look for, I tend to worry about the bad first. I'm like, oh no, this is all the stuff that could go wrong. And you're like, Tom, look at all the things that could go right. And like, that helps me. <laughs> um, with the cars, I think the the biggest the, you know, it's beneficial to me to have this attitude because I go into every car like digging for what the engineers missed or like what um, what things I don't like because it helps me tell the story of what I do like um, with those negative aspects. Uh, but I also understand- That probably speaks to your background a little bit too. It does, but I know, you know, the tricky part is like if, if I'm, let's say I have like an E36 M3, I talked, I did a video about how like slow cars are more fun, right? Slow car, fast. I'm sure 90% of the dislikes on that video start at the title because like I had the audacity to call an E36 M3 with like barely 200 wheel horsepower, a slow car. And the Europeans are freaking out because they got a really, they got a great M3. They got a 340 horsepower <laughs> E36. We did not get we that. We got hosed. So I've had to explain, I think I've educated a lot of Europeans on the differences between our car and their car, but I mean, tell me what's your approach to reviewing a car. Like, how do you get in a car and like, what, what are the first things that go through you, your mind? I'm, I mean, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I, uh, I felt like about a year ago I needed to kind of hone my formula a little bit more. And that started with, okay, what translates well to POV and going through every feature button menu in the infotainment doesn't really look that good in the GoPro that's Super got a 180 boring. degree wide angle lens. Yeah. So, um, I needed to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and kind of hone my review style a little bit. And I'm still working on that. I mean, it's always, it's a perpetual evolution, but I kind of, I'm trying to spend more time in the vehicles that we get as, is spend as much time as I can in them. And it's amazing how time can kind of make the difference between a good review and a bad review. hundred percent. Um, so, you know, very often if I don't like a car initially, I'll get to know it a little bit more and I'll like it. And sometimes if I do like a car initially, I'll drive it some and I'll be like, eh, this is kind of crap. I agree. So, and you know, a lot of new cars are really good. It's kind of the reason people say auto automotive journalists are pretty nitpicky and it's true pretty nitpicky there are some things that need to change in the automotive industry but for the most part it's all pretty good you know i, I don't drive that many bad cars um and it's just because not many bad cars exist anymore it's just like what's your flavor so uh, i try to just kind of keep it casual keep it like if if i was going out with a buddy and driving this car and showing them around it what would i say what would i show them what would be of interest um and just kind of making that maybe a little bit more, you know, enticing for the masses. You recently went on a road trip with your wife in a Pacifica. I did. Uh, yes, and it was you, fantastic. If I recall, you did this in a COVID-safe manner. Tell me about this trip and about this car and how your road trip might have differed this last month than it would have in previous any non-COVID times. Well, we didn't go inside a building the whole, how many miles? 1,600 miles? It's a lot of miles. Yeah, you drove from we Michigan to Texas. Yeah. We, we didn't go in a building the whole time. And part of that was we were going to see my father-in-law, and we didn't want to potentially expose him to anything. So we quarantined super hardcore the week or two before, 
and um, we drove down and we brought a luggable loo with us, which was uh, just wonderful. A little bit of kitty litter, a nice thick uh, 13-gallon plastic bag. Um, it's all you need. You're good. Do we have an affiliate privacy link? shades? Do you have an affiliate link for that? Do we have a do we have a do we have a ten percent off the luggable loo? Hashtag I, coupon we code. We don't, but we should. Coupon code the Topher. Coupon code. I bought. I the bought Topher's this early. Can't believe she's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it worked great. It was great. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, we. I, I made sure to buy it. That was like one of the first things I bought when the pandemic hit because I was like, everyone's gonna go camping. No one's gonna want to go in a public restroom. Better get this bucket first. And now they're all sold out. Wow. Ahead of the curve. <laughs> Ahead of the curve. Certain industries have done quite well during COVID. And luggable loo, camping gear, um, Nitro. RVs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The RV industry is definitely up. I mean, like, no one, can, you know, you can't do the quick plane trip to the Grand Canyon this year. You've got to get in the RV, you've got to go for the drive. Well, thanks, man. This was fun. This was good. We'll do we'll do more of these. So what do you think, Chris? Good guy? I think so. I was in his wedding. Uh, <laughs> I get mistaken for him on occasion. We do have a similar, you know, similar features, dark features and build. Um, and I actually was in Michigan once. I, I went in to get a coffee because him and his wife don't really drink coffee, which... You know, I'm not going to hold it against them. They're they're a healthy, healthy group of people. They're tea drinkers. I'm a coffee drinker. But I went into this Einstein bagels to grab a cup of coffee, and I had Chris's GX460, that big gray Lexus that he's got. Guy approaches me, says, hey, are you, says this very slowly, my eyes start lighting up. I'm about to get recognized. That's how you know you're making it on the YouTube when a stranger in a coffee shop can look at you and say, I know that guy. And then he says, the Topher? Ugh, so close. I said, no, I'm Tedward. He goes, oh, man, you look just like him. And you're driving that Lexus. I said, that actually is the Topher's Lexus. I'm just borrowing it. He was very confused. Uh, and eventually he realized who I was, which was fine. That's fine. That's fine. He, he, Chris is a much, much bigger YouTube star than I. But hey. We'll get there. Thank you so much for li listen. I need to get used to that. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe or follow or whatever button you find on the Apple, the the Spotify, the maybe Pandora, the Google Play. I don't know. I got this thing everywhere. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to respect the drive. I'll see you soon.